0: you are now listening to the social selling podcast introducing your host daniel disney let this be your playbook for social selling learn to paint a vivid picture with storytelling so compelling that they have to click build a brand that sticks so listen up we're about to give you all our tips and tricks let this be your playbook for social selling. Learn to paint a vivid picture with storytelling so compelling that they have to click. Build a brand that sticks. So listen up, Daniel Disney in the mix. They say that your net worth, your net worth, but you don't really know what it's all first. No need to stress. Learn from the best. Every episode after the next. Step away from the ways that we used to sell. Nowadays emails don't do so well. Cold calls getting wrote off. Oh no. But you can amplify that when you social sell. Daniel Disney will provide. What a guy, the ultimate LinkedIn sales guide, Daniel Disney will provide, what a guy, the ultimate LinkedIn sales guide, let this be your playbook for social selling, learn to paint a vivid picture, with storytelling so compelling that they have to click, build a brand that sticks, so listen up, we're about to give you all our tips and tricks, tips and tricks. Damn Daniel.
1: and welcome to the Social Selling Podcast with me, your host, Daniel Disney. This show is designed to bring you the latest, greatest, tips, tricks, and strategies in the world of LinkedIn and social selling. First of all, I want to say a huge thank you to our two amazing sponsors. First of all, Gong.io, the biggest and best revenue intelligence platform. They help you capture customer interactions across calls, meetings, and emails, understand what's being said in those interactions, and deliver real-time insights that help you win more deals. So please make sure you go and check out Gong, if you haven't already, and also Outreach, the biggest and best sales engagement platform out there. They help you drive efficient growth with every single interaction by making every customer-facing rep wildly productive, optimizing customer lifecycle for revenue fit, and collaborating securely at scale. So go and check out Outreach. Go and check out Gong. We're grateful for their support. And with that, let's dig into today's episode. Welcome back to The Social Selling Show. And today is one of the episodes I am truly, honestly, extremely excited about because I have someone that I know most of the people listening and watching this are going to know and have seen her dominating the world of LinkedIn in such a positive way. Sarah Brazier, welcome to The Social Selling Show. You are quite possibly one of the best examples of personal branding and social selling done well. So I'm so excited to have you today. Thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me. Thanks for the ups. I feel pressure already. I...
1: <laughs> <laughs> tell um tell our listeners and watchers a little bit about yourself. Uh, obviously, you work at the uh, amazing Gong. Tell us a little bit about what you do there.
2: Yeah, totally. So I'm I'm a account executive at Gong. I started at the company a little over two years ago, um, as an SDR, and I spent a lot of time prospecting and trying to open up accounts for my account executive, and then. Um, Back in July, 2020, I was promoted into an account executive role. So I'm very much in the process of learning how to close deals, how to foster relationships, how to run good discovery and, and, um, close a sale. So, um, that's me. I work at Gong It's the revenue intelligence platform. Pretty cool. You should check it out. And if, know, you're my territory. Let me sell it to you. And uh, yeah.
1: (laughs) I love that. And look, Sarah, I have been a fan of Gong since the very, very start and um, cannot recommend it enough. So for anyone watching, listening to this, one of the best and not just best from like being a cool platform, but from the results it generates, like I hear more praise from happy customers than I do. People just buzzed about the brand. Um, so yeah, do drop Sarah a line uh, if you're in her territory. If not, I'm sure she'll connect you with someone who is, but um, an amazing platform. Bye. And I think where we'll kick this off, Sarah, because you kind of just mentioned it there, the whole learning process. You got promoted, bravo, well done, very well earned. And you talk about how you're kind of learning a lot about the sort of you know, wider sales process as you go along. And that's certainly from my perspective, what you kind of leveraged when you came onto LinkedIn and started sharing your journey, your learning journey uh, as an SDR. And what I loved most about, you know, following your posts at the start was they were so, and I say raw in a nice way, they were just raw, authentic, open, honest sharing of your journey. What was working, what was not working. You didn't come in trying to be a thought leader or an expert telling people what to do. You just shared your journey. Um, Take us right back to, to sort of first using LinkedIn, what your thoughts were, where the ideas came from to, to share these stories and how you sort of you know learned about LinkedIn as you kind of learned the SDR role.
2: Yeah, so I've been selling on social before I ever started posting content. Gong has a really strong strategy around how do we um, engage with people who are engaging with us where they live, right? Sales leaders are on LinkedIn all the time. So as an SDR, I spent all the time on LinkedIn. I still spend LinkedIn a ton of time on LinkedIn as an account executive. It's like of the four tabs I have open at all times, LinkedIn's one of them. So um, you know, we produce all this great content. And at the time when I started, Chris Orlov was in a marketing role. He's since moved back into sales because he just he couldn't. He got bitten by the bug, and <laughs> 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 he could he could not go back. So um, yeah, we had a really good presence and I'd been engaging with tons of people, booking meetings on LinkedIn. And I also you know, running my cadences, doing my cold calls, sending my emails. And one day I was doing a call blitz and I called this guy and he's so mad at me for calling him in Q4. It was the very beginning of Q4, like literally month number uno of the three months of Q4. And it might've even been the first week. And I think he must have had a bad quarter before because he was so angry. He's like, "Don't you know people are busy in Q4? You shouldn't be calling people." And then he hung up on me. And I thought, "Man, that's so silly." Because you're a sales leader, you even if you're not having your reps like, even if you're not in charge of people or prospecting, your reps are still trying to close business. And the way you close business is through having conversations and driving timelines and moving things forward. So what? And I just couldn't get it out of my head. And I thought about it and I thought about it and I shared the story with a couple people I'd been talking to at work. And I thought, man, that'd just be really funny to post on. That'd just be a funny post because it's just so ironic. So I posted it and I didn't think anything would happen. I posted a couple times before and, you know, at best I got 10 likes. And I, w- I wasn't ever going for likes. I just thought it was funny and the other people would get a laugh out of it. Um, but the post blew up. And it was crazy because I posted and then I think I like, you know, turned off LinkedIn and, you know, did some work, went home, ate dinner. And I woke up the next day and there was like, you know, 10,000 likes or something. And the post eventually got like 1.5 million views, which impressive numbers for LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, it's my, it's my most popular post today I've, I've never gotten close to the glory of that one um and I thought oh this is crazy and uh everybody on the reason I found out about it somebody on our company slack was like man Sarah's post is blowing up um and I was like oh wait what so I went and checked it out and somebody had commented on it that was part of revenue collective I think and then like pretty much all the revenue leaders at revenue collective saw it and started post and sharing it or talking on it that's my that's my theory I don't know that for sure but I've but I think that's what happened. Anyway, I thought I got a ton of leads out of that. Actually, there's like a lot of people who reached out to me and said, Hey, Sarah, like, we'd love to come check out Gong. Like, we'd be really interested in purchasing Gong. I was like, Man, this is great. This is the easiest prospecting I've had. This is... <laughs> <laughs> so I um, thought I should just keep posting. I should just ride this wave, post more, see what happens and just share things that I think are interesting. And, um, and that's, and that's it. That was it. I just posted something I thought was funny. And then I just kept posting things I thought were either funny or interesting or just observations about the paradoxes that happen within the industry itself. And, um, the, the, so much of sales is like a no brainer that you feel really dumb when you make a mistake, but until you make the mistake, you didn't realize that that was the thing that you were supposed to do is the thing that you're supposed to do, you know? And, um, I'm as a fairly new person to sales, I'm just constantly falling on my face and going, "Man, why did I see that?
0: <laughs> <So>.
1: <laughs> that is, that is the world of uh, a world of sales quickly taking a step back, Sarah, how long did it take you to write that first post?
2: Roughly. I don't know. Like, five minutes, two minutes. It wasn't very long. It was just like, Uh boop-a-doop.
1: I love that because I think one of the (laughs) biggest misconceptions with LinkedIn and certainly social selling is you have to spend hours a day creating content and you spend five minutes sharing a story and it blew up. And that's not to say, you know, it doesn't happen every time. As you say, you know, sometimes we have these great successful posts and, you know, it could be hard to, to reach those heights, but you're average is a lot higher than most people, you know, you are consistently putting out great content that's driving great engagement and you hit those little viral posts every so often, which is, which is fantastic. But I love that sort of time investment piece, a couple of minutes. And as you say, growth in audience, growth in brand, inbound leads generated from it, you know, for five minutes work, that's a pretty decent ROI. Um, moving, you know, as you started to share those posts, Do you find it, I mean, especially as you've been doing it for a long time now, do you find it harder now finding things to write about having been writing for the last sort of couple of years?
2: I don't know if it's necessarily harder to find things to write about because I'm in this constant cycle of learning. I think it is more a question of, before I hit post, I think, is this... um, it, does this need to be on the internet? <laughs> like, do people really want to read this? If so, why? Or I think, or it comes to a question of just like, what is my bandwidth? It's not, it doesn't take a ton of time to hook up a post, but sometimes I'm just, I'm not in the mood to write all the time. Mm-hmm. And I've got bigger fish to fry in terms of my immediate needs. I think that the branding is for the long run and it's something I need to keep doing. Um, it's going gonna, gonna to continue to open up doors for me, but when it comes, when I sit down and I'm looking at my calendar for the day, and it's like, do I uh, spend the next 30 minutes trying to prospect and secure something that will put food on the table for tomorrow, or do I spend 30 minutes writing something funny <laughs> that might have payoff a year from now? So. I think it's like a balancing act. It's it's not necessarily that it's, it's, it's harder or that I'm running out of ideas. It's more like what's a priority right now.
0: Yeah.
2: Do I, does this, does this matter enough to sit down and do it? That's, That's kind of, that's the conversation I've been having with myself lately about.
1: I like that. I like that. It's such a, a a genuine conversation to have. You genuinely care about what you're putting out. You care whether it's going to be valuable to someone, entertaining, insightful, whatever it may be. You're not putting out content for the sake of putting out content. You feel the pressure. I can tell you kind of feel this pressure, this brand you've got, this audience you've got, but you're not letting that impact you to the way where you're putting out bad content, which happens to a lot of people. You know, they get some traction. They get a bit of an audience and then they just start trying to, you know, manipulate it and then make it bigger and, and, you know, it can be very hard to to keep that balance of still sharing good, authentic, genuine content, um, you know, whilst sort of carrying that that weight. And but I love what you said. You're still learning. You know, you've been promoted. You're in a new role, and you're learning. And at some point, you'll get promoted again, Sarah. And but you, every, no one gets to a point where they stop, do they? We're we're all learning. We're always gaining new experiences, finding new stories, having these conversations that sometimes you know, can provide value by by sharing them. So I think the kind of moral of that story, and, and I kind of hope you agree, is that content's everywhere. It, it doesn't stop. It doesn't matter. You know, I've been sharing posts for something like six, seven years now, you know, and there's always new stories. What happens today? What happened yesterday? What's going to happen tomorrow? There's always going to be a, a new sort of story. How do you find, especially now you've gone into the AE role, you've gone from SDR to AE, how do you find sort of incorporating social into everything else that you're doing in your role as a busy salesperson? And even thinking back to your SDR days, how did you balance LinkedIn or mix LinkedIn within the phone and email and, and everything else that you were doing?
2: Yeah, so as an SDR, it's a lot easier to to be on LinkedIn much more frequently, but that's because that's where, especially in sales, where my prof. Prospects, my prospects are salespeople. There's a ton of them on LinkedIn. Um, so it would be foolish not to spend a good amount of time prospecting. And LinkedIn is part of my workflow. It's like it's the most up to date. It's it's better than any other like you know data piece that's trying to show me what the hierarchy of a company is. In my opinion, yeah. so far, I, someone can prove me wrong. I'm I'm happy to be proved wrong, but. You know, I'm trying to figure out who's who's the VP of sales at this company. The, the fastest way is to just go to the LinkedIn page and look. Um, so I mean, I was on LinkedIn constantly as an SDR, and I worked it into my workflow. I had a really strict schedule for this chunk of time. I'm spending making cold calls. This chunk of time, I'm sending emails. This chunk of time, I'm going to write a post on LinkedIn. Two hours later, I'm going to come back. I'm gonna I'm going to scrape the the comments and the likes to see if there's anything that. You know, would be a lead to help me get into a new account, start a conversation, see if I can make some connections. Going to do another cold call block. Going to do a bunch of research. Line up all my emails for the end of the day so that I can hit send in the morning and make my cold calls the next day. So it's like I could work LinkedIn into my schedule and um, make sure i was hitting all all my personal KPIs as well as like you know my my goals for meetings booked. Um, as an AE, you are so much more tied to. The the prospects that you're working with, the meetings that you have, um, I do outbound prospecting as well as I have SDRs who who feed me um, feed me inbounds. Um, and so, like if someone else is booking time on your calendar, like you just you can't you can't control yeah, yeah. Um, can't control your schedule quite as much. So that's like something that's like a, a very practical piece of learning that I'm trying to do It's like how um, how much time can I spend. Um, in current opportunities, how much time do I spend prospecting for new ones and what's the balance? So I, I I mean, long story short, I use LinkedIn on a regular basis still to understand the context of the company I'm working with, understand who the players are, um, see if people are connected with current users or if they've worked at companies that have bought Gong in the past. I'm just using it for tons of research. And then when I'm working through a deal, I use it to multi-thread. Because again, salespeople live on LinkedIn. So we're in a pilot. I'm going to connect with every AE on that pilot where, um, you know, you told me that you're going to get me up to the CRO, but you said that. I don't know if you really are going to make that introduction. So I'm going to connect with your CRO on LinkedIn and try to start a conversation there to see if I can, you know, get into, get, get, get to the decision maker faster, things like that. So I'm just constantly trying to use it as a way to continue to network into these accounts and, and figure out what are the internal workings of how does this company function and, and does it, you know, can we get the, the, the deal done or does it not make sense to move forward, right? The thing that every salesperson is trying to do.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love that strategic um, sort of analysis of how you can utilize LinkedIn, because there's so many ways you can use it and you're using it pretty much to the best of its ability. Now, your audience has grown and I love that you're adding that sort of multi-threading piece. Who else can I connect with in that organization that's going to help me in some way uh, get towards that sort of end goal? You're actually getting quite close to your limit, though, aren't you? I mean, we have a 30,000 connection limit. I don't know what your connection follower split is, but you're in the high 20s, so you can't be too far from it. What are you um, What are you at, at the moment, Sarah, and, and how I'm, far do you think you have to go?
2: I'm looking. I have 19,698 connections, and I have... Good, 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 good.
1: I want to say mm-hmm. I have uh, 26,000 followers in total, so that must be about 7,000 followers yeah. on top of the connections. Yes, yeah. 26,000 followers. Okay. Yeah.
2: I only just put the follow button on my LinkedIn page like mm-hmm. a couple months ago. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's fine. Do you know what? I don't think people need to think about it until they start to get to that type of size. I don't think it's a uh, it's worth having before you get to your at least your twenties. Um, yeah, so you've still got a way to go. But it's, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the limit personally. Is that something you've started to think about? Where I mean, obviously you've put the follow button to try and you know detract from uh, too many connections coming through.
2: Um. So yeah, Scott Lees was like, uh, like a year ago, he's like, "You're gonna get up to thirty, and you're gonna be frustrated." <laughs> and I think that's fair because I well, I want to connect with people that I, I genuinely have a shot at helping. So when people connect with me on LinkedIn, I don't accept every connection request. I accept connection requests where people write personal notes. They're like, Hey, Sarah, I heard you on that podcast. That was interesting. I'll accept that because you know who I am. I accept um, connection requests that are like, Hey, just talking about content or something that like there's actual genuine interest. I don't accept connection requests with notes that are like, Hey, I looked at your profile and I think we have a lot in common. We both work in marketing. I'm like, no, we don't. (laughs) Um, and I um, accept connection requests from people who have, the, have, you know, work in sales from SDRs, account executives, VPs of sales, stuff like that. Um, and less so uh, connection requests from people who I'm like, I don't, I don't know what value I can provide to you. And I don't know what value you would add to, to my network. Um, and I'm I, am, am I, do I follow that rule hard and fast? No, but I, I'm attempting to. So, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I think I'll have more thoughts about those, the 30 followers or the 30 connections, 30,000 connections later. But I really don't, I haven't thought about it too much.
1: No, well, that's, I mean, that's a really impressive amount of followers, sort of to connection ratio, you know, to have that level already is, is impressive. And by changing it, you'll see that follower count rocket up and, you know, your connections, which is good because it gives you control. Um, interesting question, though, Sarah. When you send connection requests, what's how do you personalize? Do you do the same thing? Do you do a bit of research, try and reference something of theirs when you're connecting with a decision maker or, or someone you want to connect with?
2: Yeah, it depends. So uh, it depends on how much I want to talk to you. Um, it depends on the, the context for the connection request. Say we have a meeting lined up on the calendar. I'm going to send you a connection request. I might put a note like, hey, we have a meeting later today. Mm -hmm. Um, But once we've met and like we've been working together, I think it just makes sense to connect on LinkedIn. So I do that. Um, If I am prospecting someone, um, I look at what is happening on that person's profile. Are they uh, connected to a lot of people? Are they posting on LinkedIn? Are they sharing stuff? Are they actually spending time on the platform? Because there's no point in sending a connection request to someone who's never going to see your DM. Be, or accept it because they you know, they don't get on LinkedIn. They get on LinkedIn like once every three months when the marketing team forces them to. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if somebody is super engaged, then I'll try to send a, a personalized connection request um, about something that they've either recently posted about or something within their profile. If I can't think of anything good to rate, I just send the connection request and I don't add a note. Yeah. And... Um I don't know what the actual stats are and different people have different opinions about what's effective because you know what is a truly personalized connection request that's what I want to know because if you're like hey we both work in marketing let's connect that's not personalized it's just something you copied and pasted um
1: yeah so that, the, yes. the okay. other the other entertaining one you get is like hey sarah we have 26 mutual connections let's connect what value does that possibly offer you? And I think you're right. I mean, what, what is personalization? And I think you kind of hit it, the nail on the head. It's going and referencing something. Sarah, I love that post you did. I love that interview you had. I loved the post you did today, but actually referencing it, not just saying I like your content or I've enjoyed, because the problem is when you try and um, sort of create, mass volume by sort of copy and pasting and sending a really generic thing. Um, It's hard to connect with someone. And I think that's going to be a big thing in the coming years in sales. You need to make more effort. You need to do more homework. You need to do more research. You need to make more effort than other salespeople and sales automation that's able to really mass um, communicate out with prospects. So,
2: Yeah. And effort doesn't equate output, right? You could have tons of outputs, even that you're efforting a lot on they could just be kind of low quality um so yeah i i think it's it's the thoughtfulness behind it it's it's the thoughtfulness and the um and thoughtfulness doesn't mean sending someone like a a starbucks gift card and thoughtfulness doesn't mean um sending people white papers that they never asked for in the first place (laughs) Top on this is just saying like, "Hey, here here's some things that we have in common, or here are some problems I've identified, or I, I think I've identified. Can you let me know if if this is right?" Where yeah. it's just like I've taken I've taken the extra thirty seconds to connect the dots between what I'm seeing on LinkedIn and where I think you might have have um, pinpoints.
1: Just being a genuine human being, just being authentic, not being a salesperson just trying to sell a product, but actually being someone who actually cares, who wants to have a conversation, who wants to help people, that goes a long way. And it's almost like the hat you wear. You wear the salesman hat, you're gonna go into it with a salesman mentality of right, what can I do to sell? How can I, you know, hit numbers, et cetera. But when you put on the caring hat and the helping hat, That changes your perception and suddenly your, your mindset and and kind of the way you sell changes. And I love that. I really love that about you, Sarah. You've got a a real authentic approach to selling. And certainly for someone who's so new into the wider world of sales, I think that's going to certainly bode very well for you. I wanted to ask you one quick question, kind of flipping back to the content piece, because I think that is certainly something you've really put a stamp on in the world of LinkedIn is the ability to create engaging, great value content for your target audience. Um, now, Having a look through your profile, you've got a bit of a background in acting. Is that right? Yep. So Nailed it. <laughs> what would be the logical um, sort of route into LinkedIn that I guess people would think you'd take is to do videos? And as we see quite a few SDRs and, and salespeople now doing, um, kind of utilizing past uh, confident areas to, to kind of create content. But you went down the, the post route. Um, what was the choice around that? Have you thought about doing more? acting infused content or what kind of made you lean towards the, the sort of storytelling?
2: Well, actors are storytellers and, um, first I, I did do, I did do video stuff, but it was because, um, meet our CEO. He was in the kitchen one day, asking me what I did that weekend. And I had been hosting, um, this thing called short lived and it's, it's really cool. It's a bunch of, competitive plays that are all like 10 minutes long that go head to head and the audience votes on who's the best. It's like, you know, I don't know some like America's American Idol or something like that. Um, But with plays in the tenderloin, which is a a very, scary part of San Francisco. It's very grungy and you go down. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I was producing that and hosting the show. So I told him I did that. And he said, why aren't you hosting shows for Gong? And I said, I don't know. You tell me. And he was like, okay, then you're going to do it. And then, you know, I, I saw, I was like, okay, sure. That sounds good. He's like, good. Go, go talk to Udi. I was like, okay, I will. Udi's our CMO. Yeah. But I went to my desk and I made some cold calls and then I saw him again, you know, two hours later and he's like, Hey, did you talk to Udi yet? Or you, did you figure out what you're going to do for videos? And I was like, <laughs> uh, I, I was just doing my job. <laughs> um, and he was like, no, you have to go talk to Udi. So he marched me over to Udi's desk and he was like, Sarah's going to make videos for Gong. And Udi was like, okay, what videos are you making? I was like, I don't know. He's like, go talk to Devin Reed. Okay, done. So that's where I started making the Life After SDR videos, mm-hmm. um, which I had in the works before I ever started getting a lot of posts and following on LinkedIn to begin with. So that that series actually launched like almost at the same time as the posts that I was doing started, started getting a lot of traction. Um, so I mean, one of the challenges is that we're, we're in this remote world. Um, so we we didn't have our video crew and Mm -hmm. I was doing a show about how to get promoted. Everyone was losing their jobs when Mm -hmm. the pandemic happened. So we just kind of like put life after SDR on pause. And then Devin and I did a couple other shows and stuff, but, um, you know, i just takes more time to turn out video content whereas whereas writing is is very easy to do it there's it takes you know 15 minutes to turn out a good post instead of you know an hour on the an hour shooting versus plus you know however much time you spent prepping for the shoot plus you know the editing and stuff and, you know, then I don't have to wear makeup or <laughs> be showered when I write a post. I can do it whenever I wear it. I can do it from my bed. So writing is just, it's just, it's so much easier. It's, 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 it's easy to do. It's easy to read a post. It's easy to hit, like, it's easy to, to get that out. So I, that's why I was writing and I enjoy it. Like, um, good actors are good storytellers. And it's all about, you know, write the way you speak. I read so many books. I, um, have a degree in broadcast journalism, so I was writing for the radio is what I learned how to do. Um, I wanted to work for NPR, <laughs> but I'm on this podcast, so it's basically the same, right? So <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I, that's why I didn't do video. That's why I, I write more posts. But then we made some videos here and there. Maybe I'll make some more. Maybe I'll maybe I'll have a a big video campaign next month because i'm inspired by this (laughs) conversation
1: (laughs) well i've seen your videos Sarah, and you are great on camera but i get exactly what you're saying not only are text posts easier to create they do drive more engagement and videos have their benefits they are growing in popularity they do generate good numbers but it's certainly not anywhere near the same as a a good text post at the moment and that may change in in coming months and years but you, you were spot on to kind of i think focus on that um Quick question. Do you write on the spot or do you plan in advance for these text posts? So is it all in the moment when you're going to post it? Or do you think about it the day before? Do you keep notes of ideas? How does that process work for you?
2: Um, Typically, what happens is I think of something where I go, man, that's stupid. Or I remember when that happened. That was frustrating. Or why did I ever say that? Or... Man, I'm really struggling with this problem. I wonder what other people would do if they were in my shoes. Um, and I have 15 minutes free between calls. But so yeah, I'll just run about this on LinkedIn right now. <laughs> so there's, um, there's not like a massive, you know, I don't have like a, a big book full of notes or ideas for posts. It's really whatever um, is top of mind, either that happened from a conversation like this or something that was happening on LinkedIn in the, in the DMs or something that we talked about in a team meeting or something that's happening in one of my deals. Um, I, I like to post about things where I just screwed up because that's where people tell me what they would have done. And I go, oh, that's a good idea. That's really good. That's really good. I'm going to steal that for the next time I get into this situation. Um, yeah, I, I post a lot of stuff on LinkedIn because people comment and I learn a ton of things from the comments like man that's all so good the, the comments are really like the good content is what i'm posting is just a conversation starter like having a weird looking book or base on your coffee table like look at the face hmm. <laughs> and then the conversation unfolds. <laughs>
1: I love that. I love that. So many people don't appreciate the power of learning from LinkedIn, not just from your comments, but from other people's posts, other people's videos. And there is so much we were, you know, you think back to pre-social media days, you were limited to whoever you were surrounded by in your office. But now we're surrounded by the best salespeople that are active on LinkedIn, sharing their thoughts and insights again in comments in the content they share. So as a learning platform, it's it's great. And I love, Sarah, honestly, I love your authentic approach to, to how you create content. It's just so perfect it's just so right you just think of ideas you think of what's good and you go with it you're not stressing about it you're not trying to you know go above and beyond like you know putting in mint systems and spending hours it's just this happened that was good that was bad that was inspiring that was challenging that made me think so i'm going to share that and i'm going to let other people benefit from that wisdom whether giving me ideas whatever it may be and The proof is in the pudding because your content is fantastic. One point I just want to finish on because one of the biggest traps salespeople fall into, and this is, as you kind of highlighted already in this episode, Sarah, is usually at the command of the marketing department where they will push out the company blogs uh, via email to everyone in the company and say, share it on LinkedIn. And everyone uh, obliges, they click the share button and they blind share the company blog. And that is their social selling strategy. What I love about what you've done, Sarah, is you've built your personal brand. You've been sharing great content. You've generated a big audience and, and great engagement. So when you do share, and Gong, by the way, not most companies aren't creating good content. Gong does create good content as a company, as a marketing team. But when you are resharing Gong's posts and promoting their blogs, you're generating huge engagement. Most salespeople, when they reshare the company blog, get zero likes. You reshare your company blog. And you'll still get hundreds of likes and tons of views. And I really think that's a a huge sort of testament to what you've built just by sharing that journey. The benefits that has on the rest of the company, not just you, um, is is huge. Has Gong supported that social selling journey? Are they really sort of supporting you as a content creator and, and a brand?
2: Yeah, totally. And I, and I think you know the, the way that Gong does, the way that we if if Devin writes a blog on LinkedIn, there's a there's a formula, there's a strategy to how do we as employees engage with it? So we we comment on it and we like on it as as soon as it comes out. Looks like hopefully within the first 15, twenty minutes, people are are doing that because it'll get more traction. And then the second step is instead of hitting the share button, which actually doesn't get much traction on the post, it's to write a post and either link to the blog within the post itself or in the comments is even better. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, our marketing team will, will, um, you know, give some suggested, some suggested, uh, you know, content that you can write for your post and then share the blog if you want to. Um, but I always think, you know, my LinkedIn belongs to me. It's not gongs. It's mine. It's, it's all me. And, um, it was me before I worked at Gong. It'll be me after I work at Gong. Um, and so I I um, owe it to myself and I owe it to Future State Me and I owe it to the people who decided to click the follow button to um, say something that I mean and I think and um, is is what I consider to be worth reading, not just the link to the blog. So I always like write my own take about hey, I just read Devin's latest post. Here's why I find it really helpful. Example, the last thing that... The last blog he released was... Or one of the last blogs he released was about um, yeah, being on uh, meetings where you've got entire C-suite in the room or just like these, you know, you're selling to seven seven people at the same time. How do you... Those are really valuable meetings. How do you execute on them? And I really felt... I still feel... I wish I had read that before. Like two days earlier, he posted it before because I would had this meeting where I had... All, you know, the CEO, the CRO, the CMO, the VP of sales, the head of um, sales engineering. And um, I wanted to execute really well um, and make it a very valuable meeting because I think that all those people were giving up, they spent like an hour and a half on the phone with me. I think that was more money, like w- like watching my presentation than they would have spent on actually buying gong. Yeah. So, so um, you know... I, Knowing that, knowing that it's a very valuable meeting and that this is something that the company is clearly taking very seriously, I need to execute. So I told that story before I shared the, the post, because I think that that is something that, I mean, you're nodding your head. I think that's something that pretty much any salesperson has probably experienced something like that. And, um, if you're not prepared for it and you don't know how to execute on that kind of meeting, it's very different than a one-on-one, um, it's, it's a totally different motion, as I learned on the meeting.
1: <laughs> They're intimidating, but I saw that post there. I saw you pretty much shared the post exactly as you just described it. You took people through the journey. You know, I was on a meeting with CEO, CMO, C, you know, et cetera, and you really laid it. And You took them down. It read like a normal post, but you're actually promoting an article that the company had created, and you know that you'd consumed. You made it relevant to your audience. You. You gave them a reason to want to read it for them to benefit from it. So not only is your company marketing department and Devin is an amazing content creator, creating great content that's valuable for your prospects and customers. You're adding an extra layer of value by sharing your stories relevant to that article as well. And that's, Sarah, do you know what? That's everything you're doing. You're sharing your stories, you're sharing your journey, and that is giving value to the people that are following you, both SDRs, other AEs that are learning from your learning experiences, but you've also got a huge part of your audience that are sales leaders, that are your target prospects and customers that are also getting value because they'll probably be sharing your content with their SDRs and their AEs and it'll be helping them. So this is whole, what I get from you, Sarah, what I hear in this whole episode and everything you write and every podcast you do is you have value at the heart. You just want to give value. You genuinely care about your audience. As you said, the people that click that follow button, you have a responsibility to make sure that they've made a good choice, that you are putting out content that's beneficial to them. And that's, that's the sort of heart and mindset that salespeople should have, not just on social, but on everything they do to give value, to help.
2: Exactly. That's what we're doing as salespeople. You know, you, you, The the reward, you get paid for your efforts, right? You get paid for taking care of people. But, um, and that's great. Like you should want to get paid so that you can have a nice life. But it would be a very empty and meaningless existence if the only thing that you were chasing at the end of the day was being able to get money out of somebody's pockets. It would make, it would make the job that I'm doing right now feel icky and gross and unfun. And I wouldn't do it. I mean, I came from a world of, of theater where you make $0 an hour and teaching where you make basically $0 an hour. <laughs> um, and I spent a lot of time, you know, coaching speech and debate and working with kids. So, you know, it's, and just like the way that I was raised, I mean, my dad's been in sales his whole life. Um, and you know, the so we, we owe it to not your job is, it's a job, but it's also a vocation, right? You know, how you approach what you're doing, you can have more of an impact mm-hmm. than just a sale. Um, and I think that how we approach our daily interactions with everyone around us is super important. Um, and I think that's like at the end of the day, that's like my philosophy about the interactions that I have. I, I want them to be meaningful because I want, I want, uh, I want, the person sitting on the other side of the table to feel valued and 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 that they're heard and that we can solve their problem, right?
1: I couldn't possibly agree anymore. Um, Sarah, that is such insightful stuff. And what an insightful way to end the episode. Not only have you shared some amazing value from the world of social selling, but we got pretty deep in the world of sales and what sales really should be. And I'm the same as you, Sarah. I couldn't sell something to someone who didn't need it or who wasn't going to get benefit from it. That's not what sales is. People do it, but that's not what sales is. That's not what selling is. I love that that's at your heart. I love that. I, and I know that that goes beyond the wider Gong team. And, and honestly, I can't thank you enough for everything you've shared in this episode, but also the impact you've had. And. I mean, final question. Do you ever stop and think about the impact you've had on the sales industry just in the last couple of years? Do you ever think about all of the people you've helped, all of the SDRs you've inspired, all of the AEs that you're inspiring now? Do you ever take a moment to stop and think, that's pretty cool? But uh, no, what
2: I am now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, I am. Um... I do think it is, it is a really awesome experience to know that you've impacted somebody else, um, not sales related, but when I did speech and debate in, in college, it's, um, there's the debate side, which is arguing with other people. Um, but then there's the speech side, which is, it's like dramatic performance, it's like competitive acting. And I had put together a piece, something really simple, just about how, um, you know the parent-child relationship evolves as you, as a child, become an adult, yeah. and um, there's usually this, there's this period of tension and and disagreement, and sometimes there's a lot of like having to reorient your mind around who uh, your parent is a person, not someone on a pedestal, and that involves a lot of grace and forgiveness. So I, I put together that piece, and um, I performed it, and a, a couple couple months after I'd done that, somebody reached out to me on Mother's Day, and they said, "Hey." Um, Sarah, I just wanted to let you know that I saw that performance and I hadn't spoken to my mother in 10 years because she'd been an alcoholic and abusive. And those words changed the way I thought about my relationship with her. And I called her right after I saw it. And today I'm having breakfast for the first time with my mom on Mother's Day in 10 years. And, um, I was like, I never, I never thought that I would have that kind of impact on an individual. Um, And so that's why I just think like these actions that we do, the way that we approach our interactions, you never know whose life you could change simply by sharing an experience or doing something kind. So that's, I guess that's my driving, my driver behind sharing content. It might not be you You go have lunch with your mom on Mother's Day, but it could be like you finally got the promotion that you wanted to because you had the tactical skills to, you know, book the meetings that you needed to or you know, have, have the challenging conversation with your boss that you're not happy or whatever
1: it is. Um, so yeah. That was a very touching and inspiring story, Sarah. And again, brings us right back to the whole piece of value. You just want to give. And that give mentality is what's key to to success and selling. And again, not in the horrible way of thinking, yeah, make loads of money and get loads of commission and stuff, but actually having a positive impact, both in the people that are reading and consuming your content, but also the customers that you're serving, the customers that you're helping, the companies that are implementing Gong and it's helping increase their sales and help their sales teams. That's the impact you're making. You're making a positive impact. You're helping that company, the people within that company, Benefit, grow, and succeed. And you do that by connecting them with the products that you you offer. And that's what sales is about. Sarah, I'm inspired from this episode. I know everyone that's going to be watching and listening to this is going to come away. Inspired in so many different areas of, of sales and social selling. So I genuinely cannot thank you enough for, for sort of joining me today, sparing some time to, to share share your experiences and your thoughts on the world of sales and social selling. Um, For everyone who's watching and listening, make sure you go and follow Sarah on LinkedIn. Make sure you follow Gong and and do check out their product because it is amazing. It is helping a lot of companies. And if your sales team want to leverage um, sort of conversational intelligence, then check out Gong, drop Sarah a message, and I'm sure she will hook you up with a good deal. So Sarah, thank you so much. Um, Any closing thoughts to our wonderful listeners?
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is a great time. Uh, uh, let's do it again sometime. Talk, <laughs> talk more social selling. For sure. Sad stories all day long.
1: <laughs> Inspiring emotional stories, Sarah. I love them. It's been a great episode. Thank you so much. Thank you to everyone who's listening. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.
0: Damn, Daniel.